Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. Today's film is Jason Bourne, which came out in July of 2016 and is now out on DVD in Australia. So uh, we've decided to backtrack a little bit and uh, review it. As always on Pod Me If You Can, we discuss things with spoilers in mind. So uh, check out the film before listening to this podcast. So, Lloyd, I used to date a girl who was really into Matt Damon and really liked Jason Bourne. I managed to watch the first three films as date nights, you know? I was no longer with that girl when Jeremy Renner's spin-off came along. And uh, obviously, we're in a whole new dimension here, post-Renner. Uh, did you see every Jason Bourne film at the movies? I didn't see it. I, th- I think I saw the first one. No, I didn't see the first one at the movies. I saw that on VHS, showing my age. And then <laughs> I saw uh, Bourne Supremacy at the movies, which I wasn't a big fan of. And then I saw Bourne Ultimatum, I think think on dvd and i actually couldn't wait for that because i heard so much how they wrap up the whole thing and i got really into jason Bourne and all that i was actually a fan of the first one when i did see it so i couldn't wait to see it see how it all wrapped up and everything it's not just showing your age it's showing the age of the franchise because born identity was out when vhs was popular yeah (laughs) or not popular but certainly still around and i mean this has been a major source of income for Matt Damon and a very successful franchise up to this point. I really wish that Jeremy Renner was in this film. Oh, gosh, I got so much to say about that. Absolutely, I completely agree. I am so shocked at all the reviews, how negative they are about Born Legacy. Oh, yeah, and there was a, an attempt to try to make a franchise without da- um, Matt Damon, but don't worry about that film. It's just like, are you kidding me? That was an amazing movie. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't bad, and Jeremy Renner's got a lot of cred from being Hawkeye. It just feel like if this film had both of them, that would have legitimized the uh, legacy, the Born legacy. And then that would have been part of the canon of everything and not ignored. But as well, now they're, they're talking about doing another Jeremy Renner film, and that doesn't have a release date. But that's like a side project. That's like when we talked about on the um, James Bond podcast... We talked about, you know, if they did a 006 or a 004 or some other agent as a spin-off, that's what that is now. It's not connected yeah. at all. Yeah, that that's very, very frustrating, especially to Bourne fans. I'm just curious, are you an actual fan of the Bourne series? To be honest, I, I enjoyed the first one, and I think that I've enjoyed each one less as it's gone on. I think the freshness of the first one and the identity and the, the David Webb of it all, the treadstone, the brainwashing, the not remembering... I think, actually, to be honest, I probably enjoyed the second one as well. But then I have so much of a problem with the shaky camera work in the third one that that really took me out of it when I was watching it at the movies. And like you, I didn't mind Legacy, but now I feel like it's been washed away with uh, Jason Bourne. Just how it's been treated. I I personally love movies where we see people on the run from the government, Uh, in particular Enemy of the State, which is my favourite Tony Scott film, one of my favourite films I can watch over and over again, Three Days of the Condor. 
with, of course, um, oh, geez, I'm forget- I can't believe I'm blanking on his name, uh, The Sentinel with Michael Douglas, and I really like the Bourne movies. I just like seeing uh, Robert Redford's his name, sorry about that, in Three Days of the Condor. I can't believe I forgot that. And I really like the Bourne films. I just like seeing a guy take on this invincible government and he's just outsmarting them. Maybe too overpowered and too much in a lot of cases, but it's just, I just find that really, really fun. He just gets away at the last minute or, you know, just take puts on a different identity and they can't find him it's so cool it's difficult to have a film with the government as a good guy uh like argo sort of did that i mean now with especially with trump coming into power next year yeah i feel like the government will be perceived as the enemy <laughs> yeah absolutely dave you're 100 percent right you're gonna see a huge shift uh, in in media with the government presented as the villain or as comical or as stupid. Uh, I see a lot of that. Um, uh, Trump is definitely going to change the game in not just politics and everything, but you're definitely going to see that seep into the movies as much as September 11th forever changed how uh, movies were made. There's a line in this film where they talk about the hacking and they say it could be worse than Snowden, which of course puts Bourne into our world and our reality. Because Edward Snowden is something that is real to us. That made me laugh, though, because I, of course, remembered us reviewing Snowden. Yeah. And for me, I thought, could this be worse than Snowden? (laughs) As in, is the movie worse than Snowden? Uh, Let's talk about it. I mean, Jason Bourne is very same-same. It's very familiar because it's very much the other films just repeated and regurgitated. Did you think it was better than Snowden? Or? Oh, no way. I loved uh, Edward St- the Snowden movie. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I found Jason Bourne to be so by the numbers and boring. I- I'm-, I'm so disappointed. I'm just going to have my spill right now. But this should have been an epic action movie. I was looking forward to this um, movie. I think we did it on top five movies we were looking forward to. I might no- not have just mentioned it in one of our podcasts, but... What I hoped that this movie would have been was a continuation on from the Bourne legacy because we are in an era where all these Marvel movies are connected, these superhero movies are connected, and producers are being very smart and there's a lot of fan service going on. Uh, and, and, and I just feel like I'm the only one who liked Bourne Legacy and you as well, Dave. That I thought the movie was awesome, just a really great action film and Jeremy Renner did an amazing job. I have no idea why people kept saying he's not mad. Damon. Of course he's not Matt Damon. He's just an awesome assassin turned good guy. And there's something really nice about Jeremy Renner. Although he's presented as this really savage uh, assassin, because it's Jeremy Renner, I always believe that he he would try his best never to hurt anyone. You just get that idea, especially with him being Hawkeye. There's just something so working class about uh, Jeremy Renner. One of the biggest um, things people completely miss about the Bourne legacy, the fourth film, is in the beginning scenes where we see the hard... Oh, the head base, like Treadstone or whatever they're called, um, send out a drone to destroy Jeremy Renner, who plays Aaron Cross, and Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac's in that, if you can remember. Uh, what we saw in that action scene that was implicit in the combat was that they were sending this cold, modern machinery of death versus the old human we- weaponry, you know, the flawed assassin, which is becoming obsolete. And the government agency Treadstone has tried pills, brainwash, techniques to control the soldiers and turn them into killing machines but there is always something going wrong and the biggest example is of course Jason Bourne with the drone 
the people of power now pretty much have like the finger of God, like the ultimate killing machine. I, I feel that's what the drone represents and what it's like, it's like sending out you know, to dest- sending that thing out to destroy their old weapons, similar to, I don't know, Dr. Frankenstein sending out another invention to kill his monster. And what what follows is this amazing battle between Aaron Cross and the drone, you know, where he's completely underpowered, but he wins because of his wits and his resourcefulness. And the Bourne legacy, if you watch that movie, if you, you know, honestly, without the whole Matt Damon thing, yeah, it's not going to live up to that, uh, that level, but there is so much brilliance all through throughout that movie and the villains were amazing Scott Glenn Stacey Keach Edward Norton can you imagine if it all led up to a big showdown with Jason Bourne and Aaron Cross teaming up against Tommy Lee Jones and Edward Norton that would be an amazing battle I would have loved to have seen Aaron Cross die in the battle so Jason Bourne could take out Edward Norton and you know there's just something about the only person that really understands Jason Bourne out there is Aaron Cross, and they just completely ignored it, and we just get this by-the-numbers Jason Bourne film. It would have been fantastic if they had kind of marvelized uh, the Jason Bourne series, maybe even a post-credits thing on Legacy. Oh, my God. Where gosh. Jason Bourne comes and says hey to Aaron Cross and says, we need to talk or something, and then it ends. And you just get that kind of shivers down your spine moment where you're like, oh my gosh, the next film will be amazing. Well, I honestly thought that's what was going to happen. <laughs> well, I, I would have loved to have, even at, at some point during this film, Jason Bourne having Renner show up or, uh, yes. you know, Edward Norton, anybody. like I, I would have forgiven the whole movie if that had happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, all I could think of when they were in... Um, in Athens and the rioting and everything was happening you know uh, I was like is this did they really film this in Greece you know (laughs) they didn't which yeah yeah. that's the thing I like about Paul Greengrass he's he does incredible action scenes and Athens was really really cool yeah and I I think I've had a kind of experience in Jason Bourne where I felt the same as as I have during the franchises it started strong this film and then as it's continued i've been less and less into it (laughs) you started yawning (laughs) jason yawned (laughs) um i did did kind of laugh at a few different things one was that his dad's name is richard webb which is dick webb (laughs) which is very immature of me but they knew what they were doing they knew what they were doing yeah and it was so confusing because those flashbacks obviously jason Bourne looks like he does now in Jason Bourne and when you look at that passport photo and obviously the images from Bourne Identity you know Matt Damon has this sweeping hairstyle that it would have been great if they put a wig or they'd kind of shot something with body doubles I don't know like aged him down the way um X-Men did with uh Charles and Magneto at the beginning of The Last Stand yeah I thought they kind of did that did you didn't feel like it to me. I just feel, felt like they kind of used a strobe effect so you wouldn't focus on it too yeah. much. But for me, in the face, he still looked just like he did now, which, um, you know, he's much younger in the Bourne identity and he's more haggard now. He's got a bit of grey in his hair, things like that. I thought they would zero in a bit on, on that, like his body is giving out and, and things like that, similar to what we kind of saw in the Dark Knight series, how we saw a bit of a decline in the physicality of uh, Bruce Wayne. The times that we did see him street fighting at the beginning of the film, which I just thought it was hilarious, somebody with that skill set would actually throw their body on the line for just for money. You know, he should be like a security 
security advisor for a nightclub or some sultan. He could just sit in the back room, no one would know his name, and he'd just tell people where to go and what to look out for. Like, hell, in in the third one, he told a reporter how to get away from an, uh, from a whole government agency trying to assassinate him. Can you imagine if he had just trained guys telling them what to do? Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent. No, no, I, I completely get it. The whole fact that he was fist fighting and what annoyed me was it was a different angle than the trailer, the, the bit where he does a one-punch knockout on that guy. I think the angle used in the trailer was better and the one they used in the film from behind where he walks up and the camera follows him and he knocks the guy out, it looked cheaper and more easy to fake. For me, I was confused by the fact that he was even doing that. Like you say, he has a whole skill set, he could do anything, but... In terms of emotional stakes, uh, like I'm tuning in to watch Jason Bourne. I'd love to see him having rebuilt some semblance of a life that then gets destroyed. You know, I'd like to see him dating some teacher or, you know, uh, having trying to have some new identity where he's recreated himself and he's sort of drawn out of it again. And his whole new world uh, with the girl or with whatever, you know, uh, it, it implodes because they don't know about his secret backstory and who he is and his identity, if you will. What about uh, pushing Nikki Parsons' uh, Julia Stiles a bit more? Well, I mean, I felt like she was going to die. It it was the vibe. And the way they kill her did remind you of how they killed Franco Patente in Born Supremacy. It's difficult to give Jason Bourne a love interest, like an actual love interest. And I don't think the films really need that. But it would have been fine to start him at the beginning of the film with one that he's had since the last time we saw him. You know, we can just build that false love story or that false relationship and you can... It's a bit like... All right, this is a little bit spoilery for X-Men Apocalypse, so just for the next 30 seconds. It's a little bit like when Magneto has a whole family and a daughter and everybody gets killed and then he gets drawn out to be one of Apocalypse's henchmen. You know, horsemen. You needed to see something emotional and with stakes for, for Jason Bourne. If he had a kid or a wife or a girlfriend or anything, a dog, he, instead he was just like bare knuckle fighting, you know, which was a bit nothing. The end of um, Born Ultimatum gave me the impression that he's this almost invincible superhero that's always keeping the government agency in check, like government agencies like Treadstone, anything on the rise like that. He's always going to appear there. Appear there. There's just that sense of immortality this um, almost unimaginable superhero that's always out there but to see him just reduced to prize fighting putting his health in, in in at risk every single time just doesn't seem like something Jason Bourne would do and it was kind of frustrating because I, I kind of hoped there was a point to it like knuckle fighting there because he was infiltrating some group or befriending yeah, some yeah. tough guy group because they were going after something and he wanted to be on the inside of some operation or winning their trust. I felt like, you know, maybe he was hoping the whole operation would be arrested. There was some setup so he could go into a prison and he could meet some contact or anything. But it was it was disposable, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, he was literally doing it for money. And it's just like, geez, man, you got such a great skill set. You don't need to be just prize fighting. You know, there's so, you, you could be making a lot more money and not putting your body in danger. I feel like getting Tommy Lee Jones in was um, primarily you know, because of the credibility he has in terms of the fugitive and stuff. I mean, he's done more in more recent years, but when you've got a film where somebody is trying to find someone and you've got Tommy Lee Jones, people imagine the dialogue where he goes, 
uh, every outhouse, hen house, dog house, boat house. You know, just you can imagine that kind of he's commanding a room to find a fugitive. Yeah, well, that that's what excited me so much about this film was not only Paul Greengrass and Matt Damon are teaming back together, but that Tommy Lee Jones was going to be the villain. I, I And all that, the history that he brings to the screen and his persona just really excites me. I, I like seeing him in these roles. And to his credit, he did deliver in a lot of moments. We did see just him sitting at the, uh, at the diner talking to that Mark Zuckerberg or Steve Jobs-like guy and the way he just stares at people as if like he's trying to have a conversation and he pauses the conversation and just stares at these people as they go away um, to, to make sure they're not listening. It's just, uh, you can't, no other actor can pull that off. You have to hire Tommy Lee Jones to, to pull off um, uh, moments like that. I don't think we're, we're going to debate about the acting because the acting is fine. Across the board, everybody gives a good performance. I just feel like the script wasn't up to speed. Just so bland. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, let's talk about that Facebook-esque guy, which is what I referred to him as too. Uh, he's doing a project called Deep Dream. At some point, I did start to nod off, like, literally. <laughs> uh, it was during one of the chases, and I was like, oh, just more chasing, chasing, chasing. Yeah, and I was- for me, by the time the car chase was happening at the end in Vegas... Um- and then the fight scene in the sewer, my brain was switched off at that whole moment. You know, it's just, oh my gosh, I was so bored and exhausted and I didn't care. Yeah, well, that was the problem. I didn't feel tired when I put the film on, but as the film went on, <laughs> it made me tired. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about Deep Dream, his project, his pitch. He stands in that room and he says that all your preferences and your information and things are in one place, but it's private and no one will watch you when you deep dream. It sounds super vague. Like, what is it? I've, I've still got no idea. Like, if it's like Facebook and you're creating your own, like, little web page or wall or whatever to put your own stuff, you have to share it with other people or no one else sees it. So, is it connected or not? Because nobody watches you. This is a modern world of hacking and surveillance. Like as as I said in the film, it's a post Snowden and Julian Assange environment, and the information and privacy are the biggest currencies uh, in this film. So it's interesting how it has those themes, but moments like you just mentioned feels like it's written by an older person who doesn't understand the, or t- t- looked into it too much of uh, the modern age of Facebook and Twitter and so forth. And yeah, we get those pockets where they're introduced, but there's no real depth. Or Yeah, it was very unclear to me. Like the nerds cheer and they love it and that's fine, but I, I don't understand. It's like the internet with more private browsing people use like vpns and stuff for that don't they like um i'm sure there are other ways anyway it just i didn't i was not clear what it was and i don't know how he would have made money off it but anyway let me pitch something to you what if jason Bourne was not rated pg but rated r Oh, okay. Just push it up. Uh, I don't think it needs to go up to that level of do you mean just in terms of the, how far it could go with the violence yeah, I mean, um, it would ultimately change things quite a lot, but um, that's they've got the the Deadpool's and the Wolverine, the Logan, I guess you can call it films as a representative of that kind of you know R-rated stuff has an audience. You know, is that where you go from here with Jason Bourne, or do you think because you can't be repetitive, 
Like, what do you do now with the franchise? I, I, I say exactly what you said. Try to marvel the the films, like, like get uh, get the Jeremy Renner aspect, which I guess Peter, the producers just saw as a failure, so they're ignoring it. I, I just think that's a good direction. Just add that fresh blood. Jeremy Renner's out there, and they, they have to take on Edward Norton and uh, Tommy Lee Jones, just something like that. And then they're fighting side by side. One of them dies, gets us a big crisis moment, and then the climactic moment would be Jason Bourne and the showdown um, between him and the, and Treadstone or whoever's behind it in the next one. Uh, what what else they should push is just his physicality being in decline. Like uh, M- Matt Damon's closing in on fifty now, and it would be and you, as you said, you're seeing a lot of grey hair seeping into some of his scenes, uh, wrinkles on his face and so forth. Maybe they just should show the the toll it has on his body, the scars and everything like that. That would be an interesting direction to take it. I would like to see Jason Bourne having to work with the CIA or whatever for some reason and they oh he owes them a favor I'm not sure why exactly you know but for some reason there's like a you know enemy of my enemy type of thing going yeah, on that'd be um, interesting he's in the he's in the control room telling the agents what to do that would be pretty cool and I'd like to see them flip it and the bad guy be Jeremy Renner's character Aaron Cross oh so Bourne has to track Cross and the two of them become each other's targets, pretty much. It's a cat and mouse game. That'd be interesting. It would be like a Civil War moment where they're not really both villains, but they both have different ideologies that's colliding with each other and, they, you know, which one's right and, you know, they could have the whole audience play on, well, I, I'm kind of siding with Jeremy Renner, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe our rate it's not the way to go, but they definitely need to do something because this was not fresh at all. This I, I just hated the whole backstory element of Jason Bourne it just made my eyes roll like he seriously has to remember another thing like oh my gosh give me a break it was so cringeworthy I couldn't take in any of the information did we ever hear about his father in the other films I I don't remember that it just seemed like the writers were clawing clawing their hands around a hat trying to find some sort of white rabbit to base the mighty Jason Bourne character around a flimsy backstory they just made up was for me really unforgiving at this late stage in the franchise. For the next one, they should just go all out and introduce a long lost brother and he should say, I killed your father, Jason. And then the next one they could do his sister or something like that. (laughs) Well, I was thinking the moment that really grabbed me was when he went off the fifth floor. Um, and he had to hang on to that rope and he hit the wall and got concussed and in his ear he had the the earpiece yeah. so he could hear what Tommy Lee Jones was saying. Um, that grabbed me, but the other, the other action scenes I felt were very repetitive. I was thinking about when Jason Bourne goes to meet Julia Stiles' contact, Nikki, is that her name? Is it Heather Lee played by Alicia Vikander? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Let me just check. So, Nikki Parsons. So, Julia Stiles' character. Oh, yeah, character. sorry. Yeah, yep. After her death, he goes to meet up with Christian Dassault. Oh, yep, yeah. And they plugged in the USB, which has very easily labeled files, which is fine. We're a dumb audience. They don't use, like, a safe computer in that situation, despite the fact that he's, like, all, you know, uh, Julian Assange-esque and going to... WikiLeaks these files. He should have been uh, uh, tapping into the files with a blanket over his head, just like in uh, Snowden. (laughs) In Snowden, yeah. (laughs) But, I mean, they were just sitting there connected to the internet and perusing these files. 
And so, like, the malware triggers and then um, Alicia Vikander's character, Heather Lee, you know, she's able to log in via a phone line, go through three firewalls, and then delete the files remotely. I have no idea if that's possible. But I was just thinking how dumb it was that they were connected to the internet at all. Like, you know, you should get one of those safe computers that is just never been connected to the internet and would not register a footprint. And when you plug a USB in, it doesn't trigger anything. You know what I mean? Well, that actually didn't bother me in that moment. The the thing that bothered me was how much Jason Bourne would stay to the windows. Mm. And I'm just like, man, he's a trained assassin. Isn't that perfect range for a sniper? And he knew people were closing in or he was always in danger or that position where he was in, that's like Julian Assange. Everyone's going to be, you know, the heat's going to be on him for sure. So it's just weird, yeah. I think you'll find that when you put a hat on and you walk with a fast pace, you lose people in a crowd. Because <laughs> he did that so many times. He just put a hat on or he ducked down or there was a hoodie. Uh, it was so repetitive. Well, do you find that the Jason Bourne movies are the same movie in o- over and over again? Because that's what I've always been saying. The super sa- assassin remembers something from his past, teams up with a girl, fights another super assassin, and then there is a showdown with a suit. I just feel like it's the same movie over and over again. Like, not saying that doesn't work, because obviously they've had three very successful movies, but, uh, you know, there was a sense of fun to them. And this one, because it was so savage in ignoring Bourne Legacy and it just just retreaded old ground so savagely, it just became so boring. It's just weird. I just feel like they were just like, oh, no, we can rinse and repeat. It'll be fine. Yeah. No, you've pretty much hit the nail on the head there. Um, It felt stale and it felt like something we've seen before, which is really sad because like it was really great at the beginning and it's just like a top that has been put through the laundry so many times it's faded and you're still like, yeah, you know, this top still fits and it's still stylish enough, but it's nothing new. At some point you're going to have to replace that top. (laughs) I was just thinking about Alicia Vikander's casting and the character in this. She's quite young. Like, she's supposed to have been to school with the Facebook guy, uh, Aaron Kalua. So, you know, they went to Stanton together or whatever. So she hasn't been in the CIA long. And she's sort of pretty high up. Yeah. Isn't she? Right next to Tommy Lee Jones. Who's an older guy who's had to really work to get there. And you get that feeling. You know, the, the lines on his face tell a story about what he's done to get here but she's so fresh-faced and she kills Tommy Lee Jones doesn't she she shoots him um as a kind of opportunistic way of moving up there's some interesting things with her her moral ambiguity which side she's on you're never quite sure if she's a good guy or a bad guy but it just seemed like Bourne saw her coming a mile away (laughs) yeah do you know one big pet peeve of mine is is when you have a blurryish photo and someone says enhance and then you can (laughs) We're always in those rooms of these computer whiz people and somebody yelling at them, uh, you know, get to camera A, B, that's him, enhance, there he is, you know, and they're getting into some low-res JPEG file or image and then it enhances and then it cleans up the image. And then we see that, as you say, it's just such a movie cliche. And as well when uh, Heather Lee has the presentation with them and and he's like, you know, uh, it's a known contact of Jason Bourne and all that, she prints out all those folders with paperwork and uh, she prints out, you know, the pictures of um, Julia Stiles' character, Nikki Parsons, and she's like, hands them all out. There's not an online presentation or anything. And at the time, I was like, oh, whoa, she's really had time to put this together. 
But I suppose when you've just been hacked, you don't do something online or a, you know, PowerPoint presentation <laughs> to the group. <laughs> I, I think she's a very beautiful girl. She was in Ex Machina, which I think is one of the best films I've seen this year. I only saw it early in the year on Blu-ray, but it just absolutely blew me away. Uh, I think she's absolutely fantastic. And she was a really interesting addition in this film, just having somebody so young and that moral ambiguity. And what is she? What does she represent? Like this modern, you know, these m- young modern monsters who are out there to get to the top but you're never quite sure of their morality and Jason Bourne is facing um, you know pretty much his whole era is becoming obsolete you know the, the the modern technology this is a cyber world he's entering but at the end of the film he's still on top of it he can still hang in there despite these modern um, giants coming in who completely own the cyber world and know how to play the game like uh, uh, Heather Lee's character there's a bit in the movie where Jason Bourne steals that tech off the table and it's a recording device you know we'll record conversations from 50 meters away and when he takes that i was like okay i don't know how that's going to come into play yet but that's you know that's going to tie in here somewhere do you think you know he's just picking up things he might need along the way and if he needs to use them he does (laughs) is he like just kind of a kleptomaniac because he's very resourceful yeah but i mean he was like i might need this at some point (laughs) Imagine if he didn't need it, you know, then he just has stolen this little bit of tech for no reason. Uh, And as well, I struggled to, you know, those kind of devices where it looks like a gun and on the front it has a bit of a radar. And, uh, you know, they're like a kid's toy sort of thing where you can click it and point it at people's lips and you can sort of get the sound from far away when there's nothing else going on. This was kind of like a super advanced version of that because he's driving behind them in the car at the end of the film. He's able to get her dialogue perfectly clear. <laughs> like with no car sound and like isolated to just her car and everything. Well, he must have been EQing that as well. Yeah, it was so convenient. And I was like, what? Just had a real trouble believing, unless he had a bug on her like in the car, how that would have worked. What do you reckon um, of the super assassin they send out? Sorry, the asset. Uh, oh, the play- asset. <laughs> <laughs> well, Vincent Cassell plays the asset, and he was in the Ocean's Eleven franchise. He was in Ocean's Twelve. So Matt Damon would have known him from there, and it felt a bit like a favour, like he was being called in. He never got a name, but he did get a backstory, which was that because of Bourne's actions in the previous movies... He was tortured for like two years. Yeah, it shows the dark side of what Snowden or Julian Sange is doing. It it does put people at jeopardy, the information that they're giving out to the public. And um, Vincent Cassell's character, The Asset, is a representation of that. And now they're after vengeance. They're completely... Their allegiance is completely and totally uh, with the government, people like Tommy Lee Jones, and they're going to be out there to punish the the Julian Assange, the um, Edward Snowdens, and of course the Jason Bournes. I, I felt like the asset was too rounded, too talented. He was great at driving, he was a great sniper, he was good at everything. He should have just been perhaps a sniper. Maybe he had his own driver or someone to get away. And like, um, if he was strictly a sniper or like had one massive skill, but he was able to hand fight with Jason Bourne at the end of the movie, you know, and hold his own for a lot of it. I felt like he was 
essentially like a Jason Bourne type. Yeah. Um, yeah well, like he's, he's been in the he's program. almost evenly matched, but you knew Jason Bourne was going to win in the end anyway. What's interesting about the first film, that super assassin, those super assassins, you get a range of them. You get the first guy who is completely martial arts and Jason Bourne gets the upper hand with a pen of all things. And then he fights uh, Clive Owen, who's, as you say, a sniper. And once he gets in close range, he, he just wins. And I don't think he fights the third assassin. I think they changed targets to the owner of Treadstone uh, shooting him rather than um, going fighting uh, Jason Bourne, who he fights anyway in the second one. I do like the um, uh, assassin in the second film, if I can remember correctly, Bourne Legacy. I thought he was pretty cool. And the Bourne Ultimatum, I think he kills him with a magazine. Is that right? In the Bourne Ultimatum, I can't remember too well. It's the guy who's really good with bombs. Yeah, i got to yeah. be honest with you, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they're all blurring now that I'm, I'm mentioning it. And then Bourne Legacy had a really awesome showdown with that Asian assassin guy. That was really cool. Big car chase sequence in the Philippines, which was absolutely spectacular. Um, and this one, I, th- I thought Vincent Cassell, it was interesting how they showed the uh, scars on his body, that this is a guy that's been through you know complete torture and everything and so is his mind for that matter and he is a bloodthirsty guy he's willing to kill people left and right to get to his target and he does make a mess of things but ultimately his showdown in the sewer it should have been the most exciting part of the film it was the most boring part of the film that whole climactic um, chase sequence through Vegas I was yawning I, I just couldn't wait for it to be over I mean there's that bit where he says close your account Jason Bourne's in play and he shoots the guy in the bathtub he's been holed up with and uh, and leaves immediately because he wants to kill Jason Bourne. But Jason Bourne's not in play at that point, which annoyed me. He um, He's suggesting Jason Bourne's in play because the Julia Stiles character's in play, so then therefore Jason Bourne must be in play. But she hasn't rendezvoused with him at that point. They're just expecting that she will. So he, he kind of gets there under false pretense. You know how they had that bit of uh, writing in the locker and uh, it said Iron Hand and it had a little arrow pointing towards Treadstone? Is that to tell us maybe that Iron Hand is the new name of the program? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so we'll maybe see some new recruits who are part of Iron Hand and not Treadstone, you know, in their training program. I guess it's kind of an easy role for Matt Damon. Obviously, he needs to get into shape. Obviously, there's some stunt work involved. He looks great. Yeah, but it's his most iconic character, surely. I mean, do you have a more favourite Matt Damon character than Jason Bourne? That's more renowned than Jason Bourne? No, I can't think of any. Maybe in the Ocean series, uh, but definitely uh, Jason Bourne, you know, he's just the powerhouse, (laughs) you know, the action powerhouse role. Well, if not, I mean, Ocean's franchise, he's a bit player and, you know, he's important in the third one, Ocean's 13. Goodwill Hunting was a fantastic performance, but, um, you know, uh, The Martian, which he won a Golden Globe for, we've covered that on the podcast as well. If people want to check that out, we'll put a link up. Most iconic of all, surely, is Jason Bourne. And, you know, it really made his career and made him essentially an asset, if you uh, pardon the pun. I found it interesting that, you know, he only says 288 words in this film. He only speaks for the first time 20 minutes into the film. And on IMDb's trivia, it says that if his salary was $25 million based on The Martian, which he was actually, he did The Martian before Born, and we've reviewed them in that order, then each of the 45 lines he's spoken in Jason Bourne is worth $555,555 each. So when he says, we need to talk, that's half a million dollars. 
I'm Jason Bourne, half a million dollars. Each time, 45 lines of dialogue. I hate to say it, like, um, I would definitely watch, uh, if they were coming out with a sequel to this, I would definitely go watch it just because I'm so invested in the whole Bourne series. I just hope the f- kind of critical failure that Jason Bourne has received pushes them to get just a little bit more fan service and maybe push the whole Jeremy Renner story into play here so it becomes part of the canon. I don't think that's the case. I think the producers are seeing the Bourne legacy as a failure. But, you know... Uh, we're we're in an age now where we're hitting seven sequels. Like I think uh, Fast and Furious is about to come out with its eighth, ninth, ninth, and tenth film. I think they've had projected or something like that. Um, so, that's the plan. Yeah, yeah, that's the plan. So don't be surprised if we see many more Bourne films. And why not? They're uh, you know they're earning a lot of money for them. Uh, so like with expendables what uh Sylvester Stallone was able to do by bringing all those ca- um actors that you were always hoping they'd make a movie together the closest we got in the 80s and 90s was like uh Tango and Cash with Kurt Russell and Sylvester Stallone and he brings them all together many years later with the expendables and they were really fun i i, I don't want anything to be that kind of i don't i don't, don't want to say it's goofy but that kind of um uh dramatic but i do want to see them you know, eventually go, okay, let's let's just bring Jeremy Renner, Matt Damon together in a movie and make it this huge epic showdown. And hopefully as well they could get Edward Norton because I thought he was an absolutely fantastic villain. Yeah, he's probably moved beyond this. <laughs> <laughs> um, Edward Norton's doing really interesting work and uh, he's probably, you know, looking at maybe getting an Oscar in the next few years and that's not a, a Jason Bourne Oscar, you know. I was thinking about the title, Jason Bourne, so generic, <laughs> very much like the film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we should have knew what was happening just from the title, just like, oh, well, like alarm bell should have been ringing at that point. And really, The Bourne Legacy would have been a good title for this film because it's about his father's work, the legacy of his dad. I was trying to think of some other good titles. I came up with The Bourne Restoration, which may be for the next one you know, kind of restoring what's gone wrong and the fact that, you know, going off that pitch of him and Renner getting together, that he has to work with the CIA again, it's restoring the links of their relationship. Uh, The Bourne International, uh, which therefore you just try and cover a lot of international coverage of events and countries and uh, really make it quite a kind of globe-trotting affair. Uh, Maybe The Bourne Revival, if you're trying to reboot it a little bit more. This one, I thought maybe could have been the Bourne repetition because uh, it was all exactly the same. Um, did you love the title, Jason Bourne? I, I thought if the movie had lived up to my expectations, I would have been saying, oh, what a fantastic title, David. It really sums up the whole movie, doesn't it? Jason Bourne, that this is the finality, but no. <laughs> Jason Bourne reflects how boring and unimaginative um, the film really is. Would have been risky if they called it David Webb. His real name. Would have been box office poison, Dave. Well, they could have called it Web of Lies or something with two Bs. <laughs> Which is your favourite title out of all of them? I mean, Identity's my favourite film, so it's probably my favourite title. Of Everything course. else yeah, that makes feels sense. like a, a version of that, <laughs> you know. Uh, so they'll probably go again, like you say. And as long as sort of Greengrass directs and um, Matt Damon stars, it's going to keep happening. And it made money, so essentially getting half a million dollars each time he speaks 
why wouldn't Matt Damon do this? Yeah, I'm a huge fan of uh, Paul Greengrass. Grass, I think he's absolutely fantastic. I really liked, which I only saw recently, United 93. 93. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was holding my breath the whole entire time. That was just blew me away. And Captain Phillips, that was amazing. I ignored it for so long. I was like, oh, another Tom Hanks Oscar bait film. I thought it was all Oscar. But no, it was, it was a brilliant, really awesome movie. And just with that momentum, I was like, yeah, he's coming back for Jason Bourne, you know, and I couldn't wait for this film to come out. We're going to have to get into the Oscars early next year because I made some predictions and, um, you know, uh, we'll see how many I can get correct uh, more did, than a year did, out. Did you have in that predictions uh, Michael Keaton at all with that, that McDonald's movies coming out? The with? Founder? Yeah, The Founder. Looks amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I may have. <laughs> I know I put in The Magnificent Seven, which I regret. <laughs> But there was a few a few things I was sort of um, toying with at the time. So it's a good one to review on our YouTube channel. Also, Lloyd, what else can we find on our YouTube channel? Guys, uh, not only do we make podcasts, we, you know, bust our butts off every week to get these out there. Uh, we've been doing really well this year um, as well, Dave, um, uh, pumping them out. But we've also, on top of that, we do reviews on our YouTube channel. They're much shorter than our podcasts, obviously, about between five to ten minutes on really obscure movies movies but with famous stars so they're the type of movies that you always see in the bargain bin and they usually have like a pack of 10 movies in them and you'll see Brad Pitt, Tom Hanks and so forth and you'll be like oh I never knew they made those that movie and you'll probably never check it out they're terrible they look terrible in the front cover and quite often they are terrible movies but Dave and I decided um, to purchase them and review them and put them up on our YouTube channel we have many titles I think we're up to uh, almost episode 120 20 or something so go back there and definitely check them out there are links on our website to them or you could just go to youtube and just search pod me if you can one of my recent favorites i did was once upon a time in queens uh starring paul savino from uh, of course goodfellas and michael rapaport which you've seen him in lots and lots of movies um and th- that film was uh really really um i thought a diamond in the rough that film it really took me by surprise a really nice slow uh, gangster movie about old age and coming to terms with the modern world and so forth and uh, the actual director um, hit me up on uh, Twitter and thanked me for that so that was, that was really cool <laughs> I've had some other unconfirmed responses from people who you can't really tell if they're involved in uh, the film but uh, it's always fantastic when you can sort of get the attention of the actual stars and director and people who are involved the next one we'll have uh, on video will actually feature Edward Furlong and the one after that will be a Guy Pearce uh, obscure film that I'd never ever ever heard of and you probably won't have either and there's a, probably a reason why you never heard of it Dave Oof, I tell you you find out what the reason is when you watch it and it's an it's a 90 minutes you won't forget and often after you watch the the videos I, f- I feel like you've you feel like you've seen the film so it's a kind of a nice little you don't have to watch it, but watch these five minutes and you'll get the idea. Yeah, they're all generally spoiler-free. If we do do spoilers, we do warn you in the videos anyway. Thanks, guys, for listening to Jason Bourne. Before the end of the year, we've got Rogue One to look forward to. We'll also be trying to get to Passengers with Chris Pratt and uh, Jennifer Lawrence. There's a lot of stuff early next year as well. I'm not sure when Silence comes out, Martin Scorsese's next oh, film. Oh, gosh, I'm looking forward to that. 2017 is probably going to be a much better and bigger year and um, certainly looking forward to covering it. But uh, Rogue One on the horizon, you know, who doesn't like a Star Wars story? 
hoping that we get something, Lloyd, that we can't predict. Obviously, knowing the pieces before and afterwards, this is going to be tricky. Now they've revealed Darth Vader in the trailers, Whoa. you know. It's it's taken it to another level. I mean, I'm everybody so excited. I yeah, like even if it's bad, like a, how um, disappointed I was with Jason Bourne. Just this whole period, the the build up, the little teasers that we see, I love it all. <laughs> and I mean, there's speculation, of course, that young Han Solo will be in the film, and uh, that's maybe why he was cast so early on because he's going to be in this one. You know, that maybe gives us a younger Chewbacca. There's sort of a there's a lot of threads we can follow. Hopefully it's it's nostalgic and fun, but also fresh. Uh, so thanks for listening to Jason Bourne. You can find all of our podcasts at podmeifyoucan.com. And there's a link there to our Twitters as well as our YouTube channel, as we've mentioned. And we'll uh, talk to you next week. Hit it. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for listening. Please like us on Facebook and Follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod Me If You Can. Movie Reviews. 